Good morning. If we could get someone to move the pulpit. I know things are a little out of order today. I tell you, this has been quite the weekend, having my mom and dad in town. My mom came and spoke to leading ladies on Thursday morning, and boy, what a time we had. The Spirit of God fell. There were so many beautiful prophecies. And then last night, our, our garden party was so amazing. The word was powerful. Ministry was powerful. We had a sauna. It was a spa night, ladies. I forgot to tell you, it was a spa night. We all lost a pound, and that's good. We, I needed to anyway. But, um, and so it's just, and then the men Friday night had a powerful word. I know Bishop came in the house, and so it's just been building and building. And uh, for those of you who are new, my mom and dad are the founders of this church. They have founded uh, three faith builders, two in the Midwest. Our first one was in Beloit, Wisconsin. And uh, my brother was sent out to Milwaukee. And then God sent them here to plant Faith Builders Church. And uh, I inherited it almost six years ago now. So praise the Lord. A gift from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, uh, we're just so honored to have them. Without their labor of love and sacrifice, that we wouldn't be here today. And um, I am the woman of God I am because of them. And they have raised me uh, to be the, the woman of God that I am. So I'm honored to have them. If you'll give a warm welcome to my dad, Bishop Jerry Pruitt. Hallelujah. I thought you were going to take the offering. Don't, don't forget the offering. All right. I'm just making sure. Lock the back doors. Nobody gets out without giving an offering. Especially put it on their mind. No, I'm just kidding. But we appreciate so much. You know, I, I'm, Pastor Paul, where did he go? What an amazing job. Good job. Pastor Jennifer, wow, amazing job, appreciate that. And my daughter, I, I am so overwhelmed by what she has done. I'm just, I'm just in awe, you know, you didn't inherit this. We don't pass these things down. They come from the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and he said, she's the one. We prayed a long time about this. And she said, I don't want it, Dad, I don't want it, I don't want it, Dad. And I said, well, we're going to wait and hear from God. And then one day, it just clicked, click, click. And I says, you're, you're it. Tag, you're it. <laughs> I'm going to play hide and seek. I'm going to hide so nobody can seek me. Hallelujah. So that's what's happened. Anyway, we appreciate you all very much. And I honestly, um, um, thank you. You're, I'm so proud of you and all that you've done. <laughs> proud of all the elders and pastors. I can't tell you the time she said I, I couldn't even think about doing this without all of that help. And you guys uh, uh, on the praise team today, you were awesome. You were very, very, very good. Anointed, and I just love that, and it's just an honor to be with you. I, I honestly, truly mean that from my heart, that uh, it's an honor to be with you all. I have not preached from this pulpit for two years. It's been a very long time. We have been, uh, as you all know, everybody's been going through all kinds of things in this country. And, you know, I, I prayed. I said, God, what do you want me to say to these people? You get fed. You got steak. You got everything you need here. You're, you're just full of the Lord and full of the Spirit and full of the Word. And you've got a tremendous support system. What, what can I do? 
that, um, and I humbly asked the Lord that. And I said, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to say, I will be the mouthpiece for that. And I, I prayed earnestly, and I had, you know, I could go in 6,000 directions, seriously. And I thought, you know, what is it that they need to hear? And God began to put pieces together and put it all the little pieces together. And there's no doubt in my mind that I have a word from God for you today. I, I don't say that lightly. I really believe this from the depths of my heart. So I'm going to open up and begin to share some things with you that I think will be uh, transforming, not just to uh, a few of you, but every single one of you. How many know that we are in a time like no other? It is pretty amazing what God is doing. And uh, I'm just, uh, I want to be part of it. I just want to be part of what God is doing. I got up this morning as well, and I said, Lord, if I'm missing something, please show me. And I sat down with some uh, a yellow pad and a, a pencil and a pen, rather, and God began to show me some more things. And so let's just spend some time together. Can we do that? And, and we're going to have an altar at the end. We're going to have some powerful time together. I love the altar in the beginning. I think that's so awesome. Get, the, get that junk off you so you can focus on him. I, I appreciate that. But at the end, we're going to have some prophetic time together. And there's ministers in this room, and I'm, I'm so glad to see uh, Lonnie. I, lo I, love, uh, I love you guys' ministry. They're with, uh, you know, my, my son knows them extremely well. And uh, we, we had connected many, many, many years ago. Gosh, was how, how long ago was that? Like, forever. 30, 35 years ago. And I walked in, I said, he hasn't changed a bit. But, but the problem is, I can't see as well as I used to see. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I, love, I love these two because I know the connections and the people they know and how they're connected by the Spirit. It's a wonderful thing. My daughter, by the way, just loves you guys, loves all of you leaders in here and the pastors and we have people that it's amazing i couldn't draw one pastor in here they'd come in and hear me and hate it and they would leave and they said i'm never going to be like that guy I, I i'm not called to pastors i'm really not i'm called to the people i love the people of god love to be around the people of god so anyway i appreciate y'all being here and uh, all my old friends hello god bless you good to see you i hugged your neck if i missed you i want to hug your neck and for those, all the new folks that we're meeting, it's just rem uh, remarkable. And uh, so I want to meet you. So don't leave without meeting me, okay? Because I really want to meet you. And I sincerely mean that. My wife, honey, would you stand up, please? This is my wife. None other like her on the planet. She is one of a kind. I'm telling you the truth. To put up with me, it's been amazing. And uh, we have been married, I'm going to say it, and she's going to kill me later. But we have been married in June. We'll be married, which is only a month away, less than that. Oh, my gosh, June 3rd. We're going on a big, beautiful moonlight cruise in the Gulf of Mexico. And I got it all planned out. I didn't even ask her. I said, I'm going to do this. I don't care if she likes it or not, you know. <laughs> but we're going to do this. We're going to have a wonderful time on the 3rd. And so we're very excited. On the June, June 3rd. We will have been married 56 years. 56 years. And I'm only 57. And she is 22. You figure that one out? You have just cracked the code. Hallelujah. 
We had been together be longer than that. We were just kids. We met, obviously, been together a long time. But without her, I would do nothing. I could be nothing. I am nothing without her. So that's it. All right. You all ready? Yeah. All right. I wanted to know where to start. Well, let's go to Isaiah 11. Isaiah chapter 11. And uh, I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture. And I'm going to read verse 1. Isaiah 11 and verse 1. That will probably not be on your screen. I didn't give them the Scripture. So uh, if you got your Bible, that's wonderful. If you got your phone or got your whatever you got, uh, here's what it says. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. I mean, it's speaking of Jesus, right? Verse 2. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And I want to read a, just a short portion, verse 3, and his delight is in the fear of the Lord. I want you to see that again in verse 2. He said, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, and knowledge. And then it says, of the fear of the Lord. And then in verse 3, but his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. So if we're going to really advance as a people, I think we've got to get back to the understanding of what that really is, the fear of the Lord. The church does not fear the Lord. And I'm not talking about shivering in a corner and being petrified that God might kill you if you go to the altar with sin on your heart. As a matter of fact, if you've got sin on your heart, get up to the altar as fast as you can. But I want you to understand how good that God is. And we're going to go somewhere with this. And I want to continue reading because this is very important. In verse 10, now keep that in mind. We're talking about Jesus, the scripture is. And then it goes to verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, still speaking of Jesus, who shall stand as a banner to the people. It shall come to pass that in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left. I want you to hear that. Now, who's he talking about? Talking about Jesus, and then it's talking about a remnant that he's going to do something for. Now, this is very, very critical to hang on to that thought for just a few minutes, and we'll, we'll get into this, okay? Now, I want you to go over to, well, let me tell you what I'm going to do, first of all. Let me tell you this little story before we get into this. I was, uh, I read a lot. I love to read. I love to read books that are cutting edge that God is doing something with. And uh, speaking through, I love prophetic books. I love uh, apostolic books. I love church books and what God's doing through the Spirit and all of that. And I love articles. I like to look up articles and things of that nature that will bless my soul as well. And I, uh, I saw this, uh, the, this, I won't tell you who this is, but this is a, uh, a young man that I've really grown to respect over the last couple of years that God's really bringing him to the forefront. And he's speaking through this young man in a very strong prophetic way. And uh, I just printed it off. I just copied it, printed it off my, at my desk. And I, I just went over and grabbed it out of the printer. And I just threw it on my desk. I swear to you, I did not look at it, okay? 
I did not see it. I didn't even look at it. I just I stacked it up. I threw it on my desk along with the other stacks of books and things that I read when I get a moment. I'll grab and read certain books. Well, anyway, it's laid there for a couple of weeks. I never even thought about it, never looked at it, didn't know what it said. I went to bed one night, and I was praying about this ministry and what God wanted us to do here and all of that. And I said, God, you know, just show me what you want said. If it's two or three words that can be spoken in season that will touch a people and bring them to a place where they need to be, that's really all I want to do. And uh, I went to bed and uh, not thinking about anything. How many of you, when you go to bed, you just kind of think about going to sleep, right? And uh, I went to bed that night, and I was asking God, God, speak to me. Just show me some things and let me know, you know, that I'm still here, that, you're, that you know I'm still here. Let me know that I know that you know that I'm still here. And, uh, and I went to bed, went to sleep. My wife and I, we sleep together still after 56 years. Hallelujah. In fact, I'll be honest with you, she can't keep her hands off me. But I, I, do, I don't even want to go that direction at all. Too late. I already went that direction, didn't I? All right, let's get back spiritual. Holy Spirit, let's go. Let's do it. Okay. So went to bed, and uh, I have this uh, alarm clock that I never use because I don't need an alarm clock anymore. When you get my age, you just wake up when you want to wake up. It's like. Time to get up. So I, I have this right in my face, literally, by, on a nightstand beside my bed. And it's got this big, the big red, uh, you know, yeah, digital, that's it. And, um, and I, so I see it during the night. If it's too early, I don't get up. Well, I'll sleep a little bit longer. Well, anyway, I just rolled over, and I just felt the nudge of the spirit. It was weird, a weird, weird feeling. And I just kind of opened my eyes, and this thing was right in my face. And it was 11, colon, 11. And I thought, huh. And I thought to myself, hmm, that's, that's interesting. And I thought, but I'm so tired. So I closed my eyes, rolled back over, and the Lord would not let me rest. It just nudged me and nudged me and nudged me. And I'm like, you know, I've been praying for this, that God would do this. And when God does it, it's like, did I really want him to do it? At 11, 11, when I just fell asleep at about 10, 10, if you know what I mean. So I thought, okay, what is it, Lord? 11, 11, what is that? And you, you, when God speaks to you, you can't just lay there. You have to get up. You really do have to get out of that setting. So I got up, and I thought, well, I sat down in my chair in the, in the, in the family room there, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking, it's in the dark. I'm sitting in the dark, quiet. And I'm talking to the Lord, and I'm speaking in tongues, and I'm praying and so forth. And I just felt like God said, go to your desk. So I get up, and I go to my desk. And I flip on the light in there, and I saw this article that I had printed off. And I thought, wow, you know, I have not looked at that article. So I picked it up. There's more pages here. But I picked it up, and here's what it says on the cover. 11, colon, 11. I brought it because I wanted you to see it. That way you, you'll trust me what I'm telling you. 11, 11. And it said, the great transitional epic. And I read it, and I just devoured it, and God began to speak to me through this whole, the whole thing. It was an amazing experience. I was up for several hours just going through this whole process with the Lord. It was really remarkable. 
And so the more that I read it, the more revelation began to flow into my own spirit because I love this, this writer. He's, he's really awesome. And uh, I thought, you know, God is so powerful, uh, but, you know, that's wonderful, and it, uh, a lot of it in there is just for me. It's not for you. It's just for me. It was just for me, and I knew that. But there was one part, one, one, one uh, paragraph in there that I, when I was coming here, the Lord said, I want you to share that. That's what I want you to get into. That's what I want them to know. So I know it's a word from God. There's no question about that. So anyway, I, I did, and, and here it is, all right? And I want, to, I want to bring this to your attention because to me, it's absolutely just powerful what God is doing. So here's the part I want to share with you. It's just for you. And it says this, God, this is some things that God is going to do in this, in this very near future uh, in the world, and I'm very, very excited about this. How many know that, you know, there's darkness in the earth? Man, there's no question about that. I don't want to talk about darkness. I don't care what the darkness is doing. I could care less what the devil's doing. I don't care what the White House is doing. I don't care if that's really Joe Biden or if it's not Joe Biden. I don't care about, I don't care. I just don't care. What I care about is what God's Word says. And here's what he said. He said, God is destroying, and I'm, this is what I'm going to get to. God is destroying the church that man built. When I read that that night, I said, oh, my goodness. I, know, I haven't liked the church for a couple of decades now. I haven't liked what I've seen in that church. But I don't want to be a critic. But I was. God is destroying the church that man built. It is the word of the Lord for our times, for his body in coming years. The church, in much of its form and function, will look far distant from what its current state is. We will see a greater emphasis on developing body function. Fathers, uh, to me, this, this speaks to my heart big time. Fathers will be champion to the younger generations. That's what's in my spirit. Israel and the kingdom of God. Home fellowship, prayer, family prayer, altars of fire in the families. Kingdom advancement through the seven spheres of society. I'm not going to major on that, but it's very powerful. The apostolic function and the governmental application being a hidden one. Oh, uh, yeah, let me slow down on that. Being a hidden one, you, me, being a hidden one will be valued. I think that is just mind-blowing. It's not up here. It's not the people that we have trusted over the decades that have fell and fallen and destroyed the church and hurt the church with their sinful, fleshly, carnal appetites. They've lost focus of what Jesus' church should look like. And because of that, they have ruined people's lives, tens of thousands of people who love Jesus and just wanted to come and worship God. And be led by someone in the pulpit that would say, I just want to serve Jesus, that's all. 
But we somehow put people like that in the spotlight and elevated them because really people up here kind of wanted that. They had a need to be seen. I had that need many years ago. I know what it's like. I've been on boards and things, and I just tell you, just so many things. And then later on in life, you begin to realize that the less you're seen, the less you're known, the more powerful you are to God. So this is what's coming, and, and to be hidden in him is going to be valued in the kingdom of God. So it's no longer, you know, let's go see so-and-so. He just, he's in town, and all the people flock to see, to get something from God. And when you get there, you're disappointed because nothing live is coming forth. I'm not saying, I'm not saying there's not good men out there. They're rare, but there's some out there. But the point is, when they become a name in the kingdom of God, then we forget about the root of Jesse. We forget about the one on whom the Spirit rests. I just read that to you. We forget about him, and we focus more on who he's resting on other than Christ alone. And I'm telling you, something is stirring in me that says, you know, we got to get back to this. But it isn't one day I can wake up and make a decision to do that. I've really got to focus my life and what we're supposed to do. My wife and I have been out of the sink for six years, literally. And I love this place because it's in such good hand and it's so healthy and it's so awesome. And my daughter really places us on a pedestal and we so appreciate all of the work we do together and all of that. But when it comes down to it, there's no question in my mind that God wants a church that can be so full of him that nothing else exists whatsoever because on him is the wisdom on him is the understanding. On him is the counsel and the might and the knowledge. And why is it on him and resting on him alone? Because he has the fear of the Lord. And he delights in the fear of the Lord. And because of that, Jesus became the most powerful human flesh to ever walk on this earth, spotless Lamb of God. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, he is the one that should be elevated. And nobody else, nobody else has the right, has earned the privilege for that to happen. Now, this is powerful. It says in verse 10, I want to go there again. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse. We know that's Jesus. And shall stand as a banner to the people. Now watch this part of the verse. It blew my mind. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. Verse 11, and it shall come to pass. Come to pass when? When the Gentiles are seeking him, then his resting place will rest upon the Gentiles, which is the Church of Jesus Christ. Now watch very carefully. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left. This speaks of an incredible transition that the church is going to go through very, very quickly here into a biblical, prophetic, 
heavenly alignment. This is something that you are not capable of doing. We have tried. We have tried over decades of trying to put it people together and certain people and certain groups and making it fit and this apostolic movement and that prophetic movement and put them all together and line them all up and say, now we're all together, Lord. Look at us. We're ready for what you want to do. And God said, I didn't put you together. You put you together. So God has to dismantle the church that men have built. Come on, somebody. He has to dismantle the church that men have built and then rebuild the church with people the second time, once again, with a new anointing, with a fresh anointing that is not someone who has names in the sky, stars in the heavens, but he will rest upon those that he is going to build into what he wants to build because this church is going to be, not this church too, but the church of Jesus Christ is going to be built because Jesus said that he would build it. Now, we've let other people build it for so long that we forgot who's really in charge. And the one in charge is the name of God himself, the root of Jesse. Now, hang on to that because it's very important. So there is this biblical prophetic alignment that's coming from God himself. Now, there's also advancement in the kingdom of God. There's advancement that's coming, very, very powerful. And when this happens, you're going to experience the day of his power. I don't know about you, but we need the power of God. And I'm not, listen, we have great services. We've always had great services. Churches we built, we've had some dynamic churches. We've had services here at the altar. You have them here at the altar. You had one today. We have those kinds of services. There's nothing wrong with that. You maintain until God does something else. That's fine. But what I'm talking about here is such a move of God, such a powerful move of God, that he's going to literally transform and have us experience what I believe to be the day of his power. Now, let me pause there a minute and go back to this for one second, then I'm going to get into this. God is destroying the church that man built. He's going to have a greater emphasis on developing body function. This is critical. It's not just us that can pray for the sick, not just the elders. We're told to call, and this, that's wonderful. But when I was saved at the Jesus movement at the end of it, I mean, everybody who was anybody was praying for sick folk. It's the most incredible thing. Weren't you ever taught? No, we weren't taught how to do it. We read it, and the Bible says, oh, we can do that. Well, come here, sick folk. Let's give it a shot. And we lay hands upon the sick, and we started seeing miracles happen. Now, this is critical for the body to do this and not just a handful. Because the body, you're the ones that come in contact with everybody. You're the ones who touch people on your jobs, where you shop, in your neighborhoods. It's amazing. The neighborhood we're living in right now, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, not, a, not an old folks' neighborhood. <laughs> it's right. Hallelujah. It's just regular folks. And we, we started walking two miles a day. My wife and I just, we, we walked two miles a day every single day. And so we're out there walking and we're meeting everybody because they walk in little dogs, right? So first thing to do, get into their life, you meet their dog. You love their dog. What's the name of your dog? Your dog's name is, what's one of the dog's name? Brady. Your dog's name Brady. 
Every day we, hi, Brady. How are you, Brady? The dog just looks at us like we're stupid. Hey, Brady. <laughs> and, and we also meet the ones across the street. What's our little twins across? Yeah, what is it? Marley and Chugger. Marley and Chugger. Chugger's so old, he don't even know what he's doing. He just stands there. Marley sees us, and he'll run across the street to see us. He just loves us. So we meet these dogs, especially Marley and Chugger. They're our favorites. And we meet them, and now we got into the lives of the two people that are there. And so what we do is now we, we like them. We stop and say, hey, Sharon, how are you doing? How's the dogs doing today? Hey, Mike, how are you doing? Mike and Sharon, that's their name. Next thing you know, they're, why don't you come in over and have coffee with us? Oh, really? You know that we're preachers. We're, oh, we don't care about that. They don't know the Lord. So God opened the doors. Next thing you know, my wife's out there just preaching the gospel on the sidewalk. You know, <laughs> listen, we're nobodies. We are not known. We are people that, you know, that are hidden. We're hidden. And I've preached to thousands of people over the years. But we are hidden, and we're talking to two people who need Jesus. But, you know, we're hidden, but we're valued by them because they look at us and say, there's something we don't have. And it's just a matter of time. You don't have to shove it down their throat. Just a matter of time, they're going to say, yeah, I've been sick. I haven't been feeling, hey, can I pray for you? I've done it to my next-door neighbor already. You just lay hands upon them, and it begins, God begins to move, and, and, and that happens, right? So there are things that are happening right now, and we have given up <clears throat> all of the rights as the people of God over the years because Jesus said that he would rest upon the Gentiles, and he would come to us so we can be released excuse me, by the Spirit and touch people's lives. This is what we're coming to. So I think one of the hardest things that uh, I'm going through in my personal life is the fact that I don't have all the years I had before that I, I, I don't have now. Did I say that right? When I can go back, I had, oh, I got this whole life. I can do all. I can just, I can do this and that. And all of a sudden you realize, well, I got a lot less left than what I started with. I want to use it up. I want God to do something. So I said, what's next, Lord? What are you going to do? What, what, what's, what's, how are you going to, how can I advance your kingdom in the earth? What portion can I have? What is the day of your power, the day of your visitation? I want to see you rest upon my life as well. Are you with me? All right. Go to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. And I'm going to get into something here that hopefully we're going to be blessed by. Isaiah chapter 2. And verse 2. Now, and I preached this, this here 50 times over the years, decades. Now watch. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days. That's Acts chapter 2. See, the misconception is that the Christian, the people are still looking for the latter days. Well, when's the latter days going to happen? When's that double portion anointing coming? Listen to me, Gary. I'm just going to say something straight up, all right? You don't need a double portion. You can't even handle the first portion. Still like me? What have you done with the first portion? When was the last time you spoke in tongues? 
Well, let's see. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. That'd be 1982. No, no. No. Are you living this thing? You can't get more until you use what you have. Now watch. We're so wrapped up in times and dates and things. Listen very carefully. It says in verse 2 again, It shall come to pass in the latter days. Acts chapter 2. That's when the latter days started. That's when they started. That in the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains. The mountain of God will be established over the mountains. Now watch very carefully. And it shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Now this is so important because you and I have let our families be raised by heathens in our school systems. We, the church, have allowed religious systems to be set up that aren't godly. We have allowed the educational system to be taken over by antichrists and people that hate God and hate your children and hate you. We have allowed businesses to be to flourish like the Amazons and all the, the businesses that are demonically controlled, that are hateful, ungodly people. They have all the wealth, and the church is begging for you to tithe, begging for you to chip in the plate so that we can move the kingdom forward. Oh, you know I'm talking now. What? And we've allowed the devil to take over that. We've allowed the devil to take over Hollywood, the entertainment system. We've allowed that to happen. Now, we know we can change that because they have done a few things, and we know we can be successful. The media, my goodness, you can't say what you want to say. Well, they'll just shut you off. That's ungodliness. We rule. We reign. God said it, and I'm going to show you that. It's very important to get a hold of that. I can see you're very excited about this. When you understand that, that we've allowed our government to tell us what we can do and what we cannot do. We look back on COVID when it happened. We know now there's a lot of strange things that happened, and we know who was behind it all along was the devil anyway. But he used government to tell you the church of the living God whom he rests upon, who is visiting you again, who is anointing you with a new anointing, a fresh anointing, who is elevating the church in this hour, and we've allowed the government who we should control, instead of them controlling us, we've allowed them to tell us what we can and cannot do. And when they said, shut your doors, we shut our doors. Well, we want to be obedient. We want to be loving. We want to be kind. That's not in the Bible. I need to go over here. These folks aren't. That's not in the Bible. If I don't get an amen, I'm coming out there. Amen over here. Oh, you can do better than that. One more time, you're done. You will not make heaven unless you all shout. I, I know you listen intently. I know that. I get that. But you need to understand, this is what God told me to tell you. And this is right in the Bible, very, very critically important, all right? So there's a day of his power. I think it's here. Something's going on. Something's happening. 
But it's like I said, I've got X amount of years. I got to pour, I got to pour myself out. I got to be a drink offering. I got to be a love offering to God. I got to say, God, use me every fiber of me that you can before the end comes. Not before my end comes. His end's not coming yet. My end's coming. I'm just admitting it. Now watch. God is going to use young people. You can fight it. You can war with it. You can fuss with God about it. You can do whatever you want to do. Because God didn't ask your opinion when he moved in the Jesus movement. Let me say this, that the move of God, I, the word revival, I, it's, it's a good word because I know what, you, what you're saying when you say it. But that's not what we need. We don't need to be revived. We need to be, have the revolution of God rise up. Now, I, you know, listen, I've never been asleep in 46 years, so I don't think I need to be revived. I need to be, have, be revolutionized. What's next? What's on the agenda? What's the direction? And we need to hear it in this hour. So there's no doubt in my mind that God's going to use young people. And I, and I can't, you know, listen, God used young people in the Jesus movement, and the church hated it, fought against it. But that movement changed the world. Now watch. And that movement should never have stopped even to this day. It should be going on and having more momentum and getting bigger by the day. It should have been going for the last 50 years. It should have been keep, it should have just kept on moving and moving and moving and moving. But men killed it because they wanted to build their church their way. And God says, I'm changing that. It didn't say Jerry's building his church. Jesus is going to build his church. We got to get out of the way. So the end time began in Acts chapter 2. When the outpouring of God came, how much more Holy Spirit do you need than to be infilled with this Holy Ghost? You are full of the Holy Ghost. If you're full of the Holy Ghost and you speak in tongues and you can prophesy and you move in the gifts, how much more do you need to know that you are in fact in control? Now watch. I better do this right now. I just did this this morning. I just, I just opened the Bible. And I just felt like, you know, what is our instruction from the Lord, who is the root of Jesse, who upon him rests everything because he feared the Lord? I'm going to listen to what he said. Here's what Jesus said. The very last words of Jesus I looked at the four Gospels. How many of the Holy Spirit is just remarkable? He's remarkable. Look what he said. You know these scriptures, but this is what he said. This is what he said at the very end, after he was resurrected, when he's going to go to be with the Father. This is what he said. Matthew 28, 18 and 19, Jesus came, spoke to them. Here's what he said. All authority. All of it. All of it. Family, religion, education, business, entertainment, media, 
government, you put your name on it, but all authority, all authority has been given to me, him, in heaven and on earth. In heaven, we say, yeah, that's, we understand that. Oh, wait a minute. On earth, all given to him on earth. That's where you live. Go, therefore, there it is, and make disciples of all nations. Oh, God, we need to be revived. I pray, God, give us revival. God, give us revival. We need to be revived, God. Where is that in the Bible? We've got to pray what the Bible says. Now, watch carefully. That's his last words in Matthew. Last words in Mark 16. These signs will follow those who believe. This is Jesus who has all authority in my name. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will remove serpents. When it says they will take up serpents, that phrase take up means remove them. Don't pick them up and play with them. People pick up devils and play with them. Remove them. If they drink, here it is, anything deadly. If you got the shot. You drank anything deadly, it will by no means hurt you. See, the reason we, we think, oh, that'll kill us, that'll kill us, because we're not kingdom-minded. We're thinking, oh, oh, they told us it's going to, it's going to, oh, they, t- who told you? Who told you? Who told you? It wasn't God. Oh, give me more Holy Ghost and I'll believe. You've got enough Holy Ghost. Give me the last days. You're in the last days. You have been since Acts chapter 2. Is anybody in the house today? Look, you invited me and I'm here by your invitation. Hallelujah. You can't hurt them. Now, they will what? Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He said that the very last words he said before he went to be with the Father. they got to be important words. Luke 24, the end of Luke. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. This is interesting. The Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. But tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He told you over here what to do. He told you what to do. He told you they're coming after you. He told you you're okay because all the power and authority we get in him. And then he says over here in Luke, I like it because each one of them get a little bit of truth. And in Luke, he said, look, wait for the Holy Ghost. That's the promise, Acts chapter 2. And when he comes, he is going to give you power. Power. From where? From, from up there, from heaven. Not this kind of power from heaven. Are you all here so far? And then I looked at John 21. I was a little disappointed. Lord, you didn't say anything about that in John 21. At the end of of John 21, what did you say? Well, the whole story in John 21 
is about is him speaking to uh, John, Peter, and he says, Peter, feed my sheep. Was Jesus trying to rebuke Peter because he denied him a couple times? So I'll deny him a couple times. I'll show him. How many times? I preached that. He denied three times, so Jesus, I'm going to deny you three times. I want to show you who, you know. He, that, he didn't teach like that. He teaches with purpose. And what he said was this, feed my sheep. The message is feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Why? Because he knew if you don't get this, if you don't get this, you're never going to have what you need from God, ever. You've got to get that. So it isn't any wonder that the devil slips in the back door and with men, uh, women too, I suppose, up here saying, you know what? We're going to draw more people, more worldly people in here, and we're going to do that because we're going to play the game. We're going to be seeker sensitive. And we're going to just say, just love everybody. Let's just love each other. Evil people love each other. Wicked fathers love. Wicked mothers love. People love. Listen, I'm talking about that love message has just about sunk the church to the lowest depths and robbed it of its faith and robbed it of its power. Do we have to love? Of course we love. Don't be ridiculous. I'm talking about the message Jesus said to preach. He said, feed the sheep. Feed them so they understand the authority that I have and that what you're able to do with my name, if you just use it, you can do whatever you want to do. But if you give it back and you give them back your authority, they'll kill you. They'll steal from you. They'll rob you. They'll destroy you. Are you all here? The day of his power. Young people. This is a message all in itself, but I'm going to bring it very quickly. Faith, first of all. There's, there, there's, God gave me this message 25 years ago, and I had never heard it preached, and I just put it all together, went to Scripture and found it. Not to say it hasn't been, I don't know. But I went and found it. <clears throat> God used young people in every major event that he was about to do in the earth. He did, biblically. Faith. Faith. Before Abraham, there was not faith. Faith was established through Abraham. Now, you can hunt it and all you want. Get in there and dig it. I hope you do. Faith was established in the earth through Abraham. I'll just give you one quick one. In Romans 4, 6, it says that we are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And he's Faithful Abraham. That's why that we can, we dig into Abraham. What is Abraham all about? Remember Abraham was told by the angel to go offer your son, your only son, Isaac, on the mountain that I'll show you. And then we, you know, he got everything together and he did it, knowing that if God required him to kill Isaac, God would raise him from the dead anyway. But Abraham went up that mountain. Did you know that there were two young men that took everything up there? Why two young men? Because those young men were there to witness faith coming down from heaven, entering a man named Abraham that had never been done before. Now Abraham is doing exactly with the way God operates by faith. 
That's why faith is so critical, and that's why we had the faith movement. Thank God we got it in the earth, and thank God we get it today, and we can stand on the Word of God. Thank God we can speak it into existence and all those things by the great teachers before us. We thank God for faith. Faith came in, but my point today is it came in through two young men, two young men. Abraham got the credit, but Abraham kind of cheated because Abraham didn't, he knew he wasn't going to really kill Isaac because the Bible is very clear in Hebrews 11 that if he did kill Isaac, God would raise him from the dead anyway. Though it didn't matter. Abraham knew I'm coming down the mountain with my kid. Some of you are looking strange. It's in the Bible. It's the two young men. Two young men. Say young men. The second thing. While God was given the written word by his own finger on the tablets of stone, the own, his own word of God from God given to Moses, while that experience was going on up there for 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says there were two young men who were offering sacrifices at the foot of the mountain. Read it. It's in the Bible. We major on, oh, man, the lightning and the finger of God and the tablets of stone. And Moses coming down, went up a dark-haired man, come down a silver-gray-haired man, glowing with the glory of God. Yes, that's all good. It's all wonderful. But he's not the hero. The hero <clears throat> are those two young guys. God's looking at those young guys. You better keep sacrificing because i got to get some stuff up here done with the old man. Get the sacrifices going. Read it. It's in your Bible. Written word. Third thing, Joshua sent two young men to spy out Jericho because Moses sent 12 in, and they come back petrified except two. Think about that. So 40 years you're going to stay right here until you get it right. Get what right? We have to understand what God's trying to get into the earth. What's God trying to get into the earth? He's trying to get something into the earth. When God wants to get something into the earth, it has to come through young people. Now watch. Not that God can't use you. I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm not young anymore. I know I look it. Time permitted, I would tell you how, what something stupid I did the other day because I thought I could still run faster, and I couldn't run that fast. <laughs> I told Pastor Paul, he'll tell you, maybe some other time. The third thing, Joshua sent those two young men in, two spies. They were young men. Read in your Bible. Two young men. They went, and let's get to the bottom of the story. They spared Rahab and her household. Jesus came through the lineage of Rahab. Read it. Jesus came through the lineage of a harlot. What a Savior we, I mean, isn't that awesome? I want the most pure person I could find. Now, you know, I still got pure. No. We, can't. We, we, we go to Mother Mary. We go to Mary, right? She was a young, virgin, sweet, and all of that. But no, you got to go back to the beginning. Rahab. I didn't write all that down, but read it for yourself. It'll be good for you to get into the Bible this year sometime. Now watch. Four. Watch. God doesn't do anything until he tries to get something into the earth. Young people, 
this time that we are living in right now. They're the end times. When did they start? Acts chapter 2. That's when they started. We're still in them. Somebody says, I can't wait till Jesus comes back and takes us out of all this mess. He ain't, listen, he's not interested in that. He, I just read to you what he told you to do. All power, all authority is given to me. What are you calling me to do something for? I gave it to you. You go, therefore. You train and equip. You make disciples. You cast out devils. You heal the sick. Did, did, did Jesus say that? Trouble is, you haven't been taught that enough. And here, in this church, you do. But All right, now watch. So God poured his spirit out on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Sons and daughters prophesy. Young people, there it goes again. Now, this is very cool. I didn't see this until a couple of days ago. Two young men. Two young men. Two young men. Men and women. Girls and boys. All of a sudden, the girls are just put right in there. Isn't that? Have you ever heard so much teaching against women preachers today? Have you ever? In my life? Well, you, you, you can't preach because you're a woman. Men of the world don't even think that way because they don't know if they're women or men anymore. <laughs> I identify as a woman. Do you? You look like a man to me. Oh, you little bleeding hearts, I'm telling you. You just use socialite little weirdos out there. Do you believe the Word of God? All right, now watch. What did God want to get in the earth? Faith. What did God want to get in the earth? The written word of God. What did God want to get in the earth? The living word of God, Jesus Christ, John chapter 1. What did he want to get into the earth? The Holy Ghost. Young people. Oh, man. Thank you, Barb. She's like, woo. The rest of you are like, ooh. I ain't never heard nobody like this guy. Now watch. Generation X. That's what they're called. Generation X is coming alive to God. Coming alive to God. This generation, and I was raised in the 60s, I'm telling you, but this generation can have any sex from any body any time they want. All they got to do is just go do it. And everybody's available. They can have every drug that you ever wanted. It's out there available. You can be a woman if, you wanna, if you're a man. You can be a man if you're a woman. You can do whatever you want to do. What do you identify with? You can pick out whatever you want to pick out. All of that is designed to keep you to understand that you are, that the devil is Xing you out. He's Xing you out. He's Xing you out. But God, when I saw this, God is marking the spot. The devil's Xing you out. But God is marking the spot. It's the same X. But when God uses it, he's marking you. Are you with me? Young person, you ought to be excited because God is marking you. And where? He's marking you where the pot of gold is. 
He's marking you where the treasure is. See, God is using this generation to destroy the church that man built. They ain't coming to our churches. They don't want no part of our churches. Why? Because they've seen the hypocrisy, and it's so shallow. I mean, it has saucer faith, one great man of God said, and there's nothing there that makes them want to change and be like Jesus himself. But the Lamb of God is resting upon a new generation, and that generation right now is beginning to feel and to sense, I want reality, and God is marking you, young person. God is putting his X on you, and he's getting you ready. You don't have to be trained for anything. I'm telling you, God's about to shake your world and shake the church and get the church where it needs to be because we are far from what God has built and what God wants to build. They're going to destroy the church that man built. And we're going to hate it if we're religious. We're going to hate it. Because they're going to come in the way they are. And you've got to get out of their way, man. Because God's marked them. And the church in the future, remember, will not look like the church today. Malachi 4, 6. The very last verse in the Old Testament. That means something so critically important that you need to understand it. And this is the last words of the Old Covenant by the prophet Malachi. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And then he says, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. This is God speaking. He's saying, listen. I'm going to take you fathers. I'm going to make you bigger and better than you've ever been. But you're going to have to pass this thing over to them. That's going to be your job. And as you pass it over to them, the true ones will pick it up. Whoever God is resting upon, whoever the root of Jesse is resting upon. Are you all here today? Whoever he's resting, he's going to lift them up. And you, father, mother, connecting with this generation, and this generation, when they know that you're real, that you're, you're really of God, that you show forth who God really is, that you're not phony and religious, but you love Jesus Christ, the root on the stem of Jesse, the only one who rests upon him, all these wonderful things, because he has the fear of the Lord. That's what's coming back right there. Do you all understand what I'm talking about? <clears throat> that was the introduction. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. That was, that was the introduction. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, my arm hurts so bad holding up. Everybody here today, I must stop. But there are, when this generation, who is already marked, because God said they're the treasure hidden in the field. Oh, I can go so many ways. I don't know about you, but I want something to happen that only God can do. No hindrances. In the new church. No business as usual. 
in the new church. Atmosphere of the supernatural. Because God is not a common, ordinary God. No limitations of any kind. Freedom like you've never known. You're going to have so much freedom that even you will question. I'm too free. I want to be bound, Lord. Bind me up. We're so used to being bound. Like, Lord, this don't feel right. I'm too free. How can God use me? I mean, how can God, how can God use me? I just jotted a few things down here, but Rahab was a prostitute, just like I said. Used her. Paul was a vicious persecutor of the church. A mass murderer. God used him. King David, oh, man, after God's own heart, man, he loved the Lord. Nah, he committed murder and adultery. Mary Magdalene, filled with devils. Gideon was a coward. I'm telling you, we're coming back to something that's beyond anything we've ever seen. I must stop. I feel the unction to stop. I know. I'm so good, you want to keep me going, I know. No. The Lord knows I'm kidding. You can only deliver what the Lord gives you. I have done my job. My job was to bring this to you. My daughter is jumping out of her seat right about now. Her spirit is just jumping and leaping. Because she's starting to, we talked a little bit about this whole youth thing. And I'm telling you, you got to get ready for the weirdness that's coming. Church is going to be weird. Because Jesus builds weird churches. He really does. He just does. This is the way it is. When I started Beloit, Wisconsin all those years ago, I had no one to train me, no one to equip me. I didn't know anything but by the Spirit. We built one of the fastest-growing churches in southern Illinois, northern, northern, southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois in that area. Not us. It was God. But we did these services, and I'd be preaching. I didn't know what to expect. I'd be preaching, walking back and forth, preaching, and all of a sudden, someone would walk in the back door, thus saith the Lord, and the whole church went, oh, my God, what was that? He is a false prophet. You know, I'm like, what? <clears throat> Nobody knew how to handle that because it's just weird. Not only do you draw people that need God, you draw people that are devil worshipers. So I handle it like anybody would handle it. I had the biggest, baddest ushers on the planet. I just stopped. Escort that fool out of here. The pastor called him a fool. The Bible says shouldn't call any man a fool. They always know the word when it comes to condemnation. I was going to give them the mic. Well, you handle it. How would they handle it? We'd love you, brother. We want you to know that God loves you. You got the devil, and the devil is in you, but hey, God loves you anyway. No, you got to free them. Free people, right? Stand on your feet, please. Hallelujah. One thing I've learned, well, I've learned a lot of things over the years. 
One of the greatest things I've ever learned in the past two or three years, and I've always known it, but it's like a revelation, a light went off in me. Because I've always lived my Christian walk trying to please God by doing better. Because I want to do better. I want to do right. But then a couple of years ago, it just hit me. God is a really, really good God. I mean, he's just a really good God. And he says, you know, I love you. Now that we've established that fact because I sent my son to die in your place, it's over, okay? Get over it. Now I want you to figure out what you need to be doing for my glory. So I've learned to accept. God, I accept your goodness because in me is no good thing. But in you, it's all good. And then he said, I read to you those very last words in those Gospels. He said, I'm, I'm giving you all, all of what I got. I've got it all, by the way. I, I got it all, every bit of it, and I'm going to give it to you. And then your job when you get it is to train disciples. We started this church there in 1989, July 4th, 1989. I was in prayer, and God says, you know, people say, I had pastors come to me, what's your vision? I, I, don't, I don't have one. Well, didn't God give you a vision? No. Am I supposed to have one? He told me to start a church in Beloit, so I'm going to do that, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't have any blueprint. I don't know what I'm going to do. He just said, do it. I literally just showed up. That's all I did. Into a city that had, hadn't been a Pentecostal church built in that city in 25 years. 25 years. And the Pentecostal church that was there was dead. In fact, the organization that owned the church told me we have written over the church Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord has departed. So he said, if you can go anywhere else, go somewhere else. Don't go to Bloyd. And I said, yeah, I'm going to Bloyd because God said so. I was just so stupid. So I went to Bloyd. I wish you could see what God did there. It's the most spectacular thing you ever saw. It's just incredible. Incredible. 45,000 square foot facility. Pastor Paul had been there for, and Jennifer had been there for 20, 28 years, something like that. 28 years. So you could see what the Lord can do when you get out of his way, because I had no clue. I had one thing he told me to do, one thing. That's all, one thing. And I thought, it can't be that easy. But here's what he told me to do. He said, here's your assignment. I want you to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's your job. And I did. I got in my spirit. I knew it was God. See this right here across here? I had a flat platform, much larger than this one, but... All the way across here, it was carpet. It had carpet on the front of it. And a guy come in, took him all day to cut out Ephesians 4 and the verses and then equipping the saints across the front. And I had him put different color carpet in there. So when you walked in the sanctuary, all you could see across the platform was equipping the saints. That became our mantra, our vision, if you will. 
And that's what we did. And we've never veered away from that. We've always trained and equipped, trained and equipped. When I spoke for Pastor Kent Muncy, you guys all know Kent Muncy, one of the, one of the big, big prophets of our day. Uh, Pastor Muncy, I preached in his church, and he said, he said uh, well, a lot of things he said I won't go into. But when I preached there, we had a relationship going. We talked a great deal about this. But when God gives you one word, it could change the course of everything. So I didn't build any church I built. Jesus built the churches that he allowed me to help him build. That was it. So get ready. Amen. All right. Father, we thank you so much. Bless your people. Bless your people. Bless your people. Bless your people.